Thank you very much. Raul and I are delighted to make this presentation to you. We have been colleagues and friends for uh, quite a few years, and we enjoyed working together on this paper. We thought it would be good to interchange. He and I have different interests when it comes to this topic, and we thought we could bring our strengths and probably our weaknesses into the project that way. Um, we're going to put on the screen, screen there, some of the main points. The whole text will not be there, and we'll tell you how you can get the, more, uh, the whole text uh, later, but we're going to put the main points uh, on the screen points one through six as we get to them. Otherwise, we'll be alternating our reading of the manuscript. God connected the Sabbath to himself and all his creation, including human beings, during the creation week. God, the creator, pronounced the seventh day as the Sabbath as he ended his work of bringing our world into existence. If God was not the creator, then the Sabbath would be merely a human memorial to an unplanned and chaotic process of evolution. If we do not recognize God as the creator, including the creator of the Sabbath, then the Sabbath holds only a symbolic value or symbolic meaning assigned by humans. Apart from God and his creation, the Sabbath may have some value, but it could not be considered as, as a special day created by God. You can take away the Sabbath as a symbol of freedom from bondage in Egypt, but you still had the Sabbath of creation. You can take away the ceremonial Sabbath, but you still had the Sabbath of creation. In some instances, the Sabbath amplifies certain temporary or symbolic functions, but cannot be defined by them, nor does its existence or role depend on them. Thus, God gave the Sabbath as a holy gift to his creation. The Sabbath has meaning in a sinful and a sinless world because the sacred day was given by God and is one of the definers of the relationship between God and his creation. Genesis announces the Sabbath is for all, God and God's creation, including human beings. At the other end of the Bible, in the context of final events, God as creator reminds us of the centrality of God in creation. This paper will focus purposely on the relationship of the Sabbath to God, God's creation, and the implication of these perspectives to the humans created by God. There are many other biblical, theological, historical, and practical aspects of the Sabbath that are not being addressed in this lecture. God, Sabbath, and creation. In the remainder of this paper, we will focus on the relationship between God, the Sabbath, and the creation, and explore some of the ways this relationship impacts our lives. Number one, number one, the Sabbath is movement from chaos to order. The earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. This description from the New Revised Standard Version stays faithful to the Hebrew text, declaring the region in which God steps as a region with darkness over the deep a region without form. It is a sea of chaos. The text literally states that these primeval waters were covered with blackness. They were like a chaotic ocean, a cosmic abyss, covered by a deep, impenetrable darkness. In effect, the declaration of this verse declares complete and utter confusion. 
When the storm of God swept over this ocean of lifelessness, God began his work of creating an inhabited world with words and actions, which brought order out of this chaotic, lifeless abyss. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. The seventh day was the day God completed his work. It was not completed on the sixth day, as the Septuagint says. The words of Genesis 2-1, the heavens and the earth were finished, emphasize what is going to be said in verses 2 and 3. In verses 2 and 3, God brings to completion his work on the seventh day. The completion of his work consists of secession of the labor of creating. God rests. God also, in completing his work, blessed and sanctified the seventh day. In sanctifying the seventh day, God set it apart to be exclusively dedicated to himself, even though God presented the Sabbath in such a way that it would be a blessing to humanity. Among other blessings, the Sabbath brings into remembrance the entire week, specifically God's role as creator. The Sabbath ends the week as the exclamation point, which started in chaos but ended in perfect harmony. Creation was now completed and approved by God since he rested on, blessed, and sanctified the seventh day. Number two, the specificity of the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and you recall the rest of the passage. I will not read all of it. We now move from the creation through the fall, which allowed sin to enter, followed by death, as Romans 5.12 says, to Mount Sinai. Israel has come to Mount Sinai to be established as a nation with God as its Lord. The Lord delivers the ten words on two tables of stone, which are the essence of the covenant between God and his people Israel. In the heart of these tables of stone, we have the fourth commandment that directs all to remember the Sabbath day. God set apart the seventh day to be wholly dedicated to himself. One must cease from labor as God did. Indeed, on the Sabbath day, every occupation is to cease and everyone rest. The Sabbath significance is found in God's blessing and sanctifying the seventh day of the week at creation. When we worship on the Sabbath, we recognize God as our creator and sustainer. We have ceased from our normal pursuits and enter into a day of enjoyment, recognizing God for who he is, the creator and sustainer of all life, in the universe. Thus the Sabbath is not any day. It is the seventh day. The Sabbath is not for any purpose. God designated its purpose. Number three, or the third point, the Sabbath, just as creation, was given by God for the benefit of humanity. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Mark 2.27 is written in a chiastic form. Sabbath, humankind, humankind, Sabbath. The emphasis lies on humankind. The Sabbath was made for humanity and was not to be a burden on the people. We could literally write, 
the Sabbath came into being, was made for humankind, and humankind did not come into being on account of the Sabbath. The word agenito, translated came into being, is an allusion to John 1.3 and reads, All things through him came into being, agenito, and apart from him not one thing came into being, agenito. All creation has its source in God, and all things came into being through Jesus Christ. In fact, the creation of humans took place before the Sabbath. As humans existed before the Sabbath was set apart as a day to be sanctified. The Sabbath was instituted in order to be a blessing to God's creation. This statement of Jesus not only brings out the true intent of the Sabbath, but also the entire law. The Sabbath commemorates God's creative and saving action for the benefit of humanity. Therefore, Mark 2.27 means that when humanity receives the Sabbath as a gift, humanity recognizes God as its creator, sustainer, and recognizes God as the one who brings joy and peace with the promise of an eternal future. Number four, in the context of the great controversy, the Sabbath recognizes God as creator. He said in a loud voice, worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. The part of this angel's first message concerning us, is the com uh, concerning us is the command to worship God, the Creator. The Greek expression poi esanti, translated him who made is the Creator, leads us to three Old Testament texts, Exodus 28 and 11, the Sabbath commandment, Genesis 1, 1, uh, stating that God created the universe, and Genesis 2, 1 through 3, stating that God finished his work on the seventh day, thereby set it apart by blessing, sanctifying, and resting on it. Revelation 14.6 addresses all humanity when it addresses every nation, tribe, language, and people. Thus, in the heart of the book of Revelation, we have the command to worship the Creator. This command means that the controversy between Christ and Satan is over the issue of who is Lord. Is it the Creator Lord or is it Satan who is our accuser. When we worship the Creator who made the heaven, earth, seas, springs of water, we give our allegiance to the Creator as Lord. When we worship the Creator, we worship as the Sabbath commandment specifies on the seventh day. For it was on the seventh day that God brought his work to completion and blessed it and sanctified it. Point number five. The Sabbath is a concrete reminder that God will restore his creation. For the creation was subjected to frustration, that is, transitoriness, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, that is, corruption, and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. In Romans 8:19, creation awaits the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation awaits the redemption of God's children because it has been subjected to worthlessness by the one who rules. This reminds us of Ecclesiastes' expression, vanity of vanities, which in the Septuagint uses the same word for vanity, metaiotes, 
that is used here for frustration, worthlessness, or transitoriness. The word means emptiness, vanity, fruitlessness, futility, as well as frustration, worthlessness, or transitoriness. The text says that creation did not willingly choose to be subjected to this uselessness. But when Adam committed the transgression, the one who subjects, that is God, subjected creation to frustration, matiates. God had to do this because Adam was sentenced to die. If God wanted Adam and all of his descendants to have a second chance, God had to change his original design of creation to accommodate the rule of sin and death. In Romans 8.21, the Greek word translated decay is phthora and means corruptibility, which gives or explains frustration. Phthora is the corruptibility that must pass away as flesh and blood must pass away. Phthora is to sarx, flesh, as zoe, life, is to pneuma, spirit. Thus, phthora indicates more than just mere decay. It indicates eternal destruction. Therefore, both Phthora and Zoe should be understood eschatologically. The basic idea is that Adam's transgression subjected the world to ruin. The subjection of creation was in the hope, that is, certainty, that the curse of Genesis would be reversed. That is, the human race, which defaced the world, will one day be redeemed and the curse removed. Human sin had terrible effects on the world. On the other hand, human redemption brings hope. The ultimate destiny is transformation and redemption. Humans, not creation, incurred guilt. Nonetheless, the world as a whole suffers corruption and decay because of sin. Thus, the rule of death becomes the world's reality. Romans 1.21 tells us what happened in the sense of the darkening of the human heart and human understanding. This darkening came about because humans, knowing God, did not give God thanksgiving or glory. Honoring the Sabbath gives God glory and thanksgiving. The Sabbath honors God as creator and sustainer of all life, every living thing. There are a few other points that we made, and one of them is that it must be remembered as Romans states, that death entered the world because of sin. Hence, God's original design for humanity was to create humanity for eternal life. And so if we look at some of the aspects that, took, that God put together before man fell, such as what one is to eat as a lifestyle change, <clears throat> one should have a better life in this world. In fact, the U.S. News and World Report noted that Adventists, uh, because of their lifestyle, which encourages vegetarianism, lives about 10 years longer than the normal population. Uh, uh, U.S. News and World Report reported that the life expectancy of Adventists are 89, whereas the rest of the population is about 79. A second point is, is that we live in a world that has an ecosystem that depends on death and corruption for its very existence. Thus, we can hardly conceive of a different or envision a different ecosystem besides this. 
perhaps we need to be like Job, who had some questions about how God was dealing with him. And after Job, uh, or after God spoke to Job out of the whirlwind, Job says in response to God's questionings, I recant and relent because I'm just but dust and ashes. Perhaps our attitude would also change if God were to speak to us out of the whirlwind about the questions we cannot fathom the answers to, none of the whys of things that we ask. Nonetheless, we do indeed express our confidence in God's creative and redeeming power by our observation of the Sabbath. Since God completed his work on the seventh day, he rested, blessed, and sanctified the seventh day. Number six, the Sabbath of creation, while given for our benefit, is God's Sabbath. Thus, it is an antidote for legalism and salvation by works. I will read just the first portion of Exodus 31, 12 through 17. Thus the Lord said to Moses, You yourself are to speak to the Israelites. You shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, given in order that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. The Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, is to be celebrated after six days of work because God rested, blessed, and sanctified the seventh day to bring the creation week to completion. In this passage in Exodus, is this passage in Exodus only for Israelites? Based on Galatians 6.16, where it talks about um, Israel of God, Romans 9.6-8, through 8, uh, about the descendants of Israel, and so on. It is reasonable to conclude that these verses in Exodus also refer to God's people today. Sabbath observance by believers, the true Israel of God, becomes a sign between the believer and God. The Sabbath is a sign that the believer is God's child and that the believer recognizes God as the creator of the universe. The same believer looks to God for salvation, the God of the Sabbath. Creation, salvation, and the Sabbath are all gifts from God. God's gifts, by their very nature, are not legalistic. Legalism is a human effort to define how humans obtain salvation. The Sabbath is a living reminder that God is our creator, savior, and sanctifier. Amen. Conclusion? All preachers have to have a conclusion somewhere. In conclusion, the Sabbath was created uh, by God to give to humans a creation, and given to humans a creation. God brought to completion his work on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given for the benefit of humanity, but does not belong to any people or church. It belongs to God. As a gift from God, the Sabbath is one of the definers of the relationship between God and his creation, including the creation of humans. When we worship on the Sabbath, we enter into a relationship with God as the creator and sustainer of the universe. God willingly, graciously accommodates himself to our framework of human time. Sabbath time becomes a place or sphere of God's blessing. It is temporal in nature. It gives life, well-being, and wholeness to our existence. The Sabbath is certainly a gracious gift when we receive, embrace, and celebrate in an atmosphere of freedom and fellowship.